Ba 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 ba. All I hear is ball, so I got a ball. All I do is win, but I had to fall. The best part was getting up again. Ball ball ball. All I hear is ball, so I got a ball. All I do is win, but I had to fall. The best part was getting up again, waking up again, cause I was high with friends. We be Arctic in a frying pan. What's important, man? You want foil, man? Illuminate and then distorted, man. I'm submerging in, it's a fact. Off the bench from the west side, for the west side, high echelon. Serving them like restaurants. Hey, same, same. We are not the same, same, same. We are not the same, same, same. We are not the same, same. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the ISO Podcast. I'm your host, Trey Crowder, giving you everything that's going on in the world of basketball from a different angle, giving a slight twist on it. Not too much happened this past week, but that being said, I still got a good episode in store. First things first, though, like, how was everybody's weekend? Mine was cool, real laid back. I didn't do too much. One thing I did do, I started a Netflix series called Another Life. That shit was dope. If you're into like space and aliens and intergalactic war and different dimensions and all kind of shit like that, that might be something you want to check out. I mean, and even if you just want to see a dope series, like it was it was cool. Like I I really enjoyed it. Ten episodes. Each one is like 45 minutes. So it don't take up like all your fucking time. And I do a fucking podcast and a website and still work a full time job. So if I could squeeze time in for that shit, (laughs) y'all could check that out. But just messing around. Um, hope everybody was safe this weekend. Hope er- hope everybody enjoyed themselves. But we here now. Welcome to the ISO Podcast, another episode. So last week, when you guys tuned in to the ISO Podcast, if you did, if you haven't, you still go back and check it out. It's still available. Um, but we were available on Spotify and Anchor. So since then, I got approved on three different platforms. So now you can hear me on the Google Podcast, Radio Public, and Breaker. So five different platforms to hear the ISO Podcast. Uh, main way I would advise you to go check it out is through my website, www.hoopfacts.com. From there, you can see the latest sports news. Got a lot of new content that just went up. Um, just posted a story about Evan Mobley, number one high school recruit, committed to USC last week. So got that story on there. And also, I'm going to have a story up within the next week regarding Team USA and something that we're going to talk about today. So stay on the lookout for that. Um, and then also, if you aren't already, please follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Twitter handle and Instagram, same thing, at HoopFacts. That's H-O-O-P underscore underscore F-A-C-T-S. That's H-O-O-P underscore underscore F-A-C-T-S. It is hot as fuck out here. I live in Arizona, y'all, and it's like every day is like a fucking oven. But anyway, let's get into it, man. Let's get this. Let's kick this shit off. So as we prepare for for the start of this week, hope y'all had a really, really nice and wonderful weekend as well. Hope everybody was safe out there. So thanks for tuning in. Got a a, a lot of stuff to get into. First topic of the day we're going to talk about is Team USA. Got a lot of big name players that decided to opt out. So we definitely got to get into that and talk about maybe why they opted out as opposed to dwelling on, you know, the team we don't have. Next topic I want to talk about is KD. 
had his first interview with Yahoo Sports, first interview he's done since uh, rupturing that Achilles in the finals. So should be interesting to see what he has to say about that. Third topic of the day that, that we're going to get into is Rich Paul. Rich Paul versus the league. NCAA um, just established this new rule for agents that a lot of people think was targeted towards Rich Paul. So we're going to get into that a little bit. And then last last thing we're going to get into is my playoff bracket. I previewed it in the first episode talking about how if I get some time to think about it, I can draw up a, a, a pretty good bracket that I, I think will would, would have a lot of validity to it, you know, for this upcoming season. So you guys are going to hear my picks on the East and the West, see my seating and, and how I think it's going to play out as the season progresses. So, oh, snap. Damn it. I almost forgot. Cool. I'm glad I didn't. So look, I also want to start this episode off with a new segment. This segment is going to be called Pick Your Poison. So look, I'm going to explain to it basically what we're doing. So Pick Your Poison. I want to keep you all engaged. So if you're listening, this is how we're going to start off the episode and I'm going to reveal pretty much the answer to the question I'm going to pose at the middle middle portion of, of this episode. So the question and pick your poison basically is which player do you want to have on your team, basically. So I'm going to do this. We're going to do this for the next, I guess, four weeks. And pretty much you're going to have five players that make up your starting five. So today... It's going to be four different players. I'm going to have two different, I'm going to have four different profiles. And what I'm going to do is tell you their height and weight and then their stats from previous season. And then you're going to pick your player based off just the numbers. So you don't know anything about them. You don't know how old they are. You don't know what team they play for. You don't even know their name. So once you pick that player, okay, that's the member. That's one of the members on your starting five moving forward. So as we go within the next weeks, we're going to do different positions. So the first one I'm going to start off with is going to be the shooting guard position. So I got four different players that that I'm going to pretty much preview and the listeners, you guys could pick whichever player you want based off the profile that I'm going to give you. So player A, six foot four, 215 pounds. Player A averages 21 points with 21 points last season, five rebounds, two assists. Player A shot 17 shots per game last year and played 32 minutes a night. This player shot 46% from the field and 43% from the three-point line. So that's player A. Player B is six foot five. Player B weighs 200 pounds. Player B also averaged 21 points last year. He averaged one less rebound than player A, so he averaged four, but he averaged seven assists. He shot 43% from the field, 37% from the three-point line, played 30 minutes a night, and took 19 shots a game. So that's player B. So they play damn near the same as far as minutes, almost the same size. Numbers are real similar. So I'm going to run back through it at the end just so you guys have a good idea of, you know, what profile fits which which player. And you guys can decide which one, you know, fits best for your squad because you can pose a team if you want, you know, a three-point shooter on your squad, like a three-point specialist. You know, obviously you you might go for the guy with the highest three-point percentage, or if you all about efficiency, you might go for the guy who averages the most in the least amount of minutes. So got two more players for y'all before we wrap this one up. And then, like I said, we're gonna we're gonna revisit this later in the episode. So player C is six foot one. So a lot shorter than the first two. Player C weighs 175 pounds. Now, player C averages 20 points last season, averaged 20 points last season. 
Averaged three rebounds, five assists, shot 42% from the field, and 36% from the three-point line. Now, player C only played 26 minutes a night and only took 15 shots a game. So, player C is is definitely getting it done in a short amount of time. So, player D, last one, six foot three, 190 pounds, averaged 21 last season, averaged four boards, three assists, shot 46% from the field, 37% from the three-point line, played 34 minutes a night, and shot 18 shots a game. So, reviewing player A, B, C, and D, player A was the heaviest at 215 pounds, Averaged the most rebounds out of the four with five rebounds a night and had the best three-point percentage at 43%. Player B was the tallest. Player B was six foot five. Player B averaged the most assists as well at seven. Player C took the least amount of shots to get, you know, the, the highest amount of points. Player C averaged 20 points just like, you know, damn near the other ones who averaged 21. And it only took him 15 shots and he did it in limited minutes. And then you got player D. Player D was was pretty efficient, shot 46%, just like player A, um, but a little less three-point percentage at 37. And six foot three, 190. You know, pretty standard height for, for NBA shooting guard. And this guy took 18 shots per game. So one less than the leader who had 19. So that's the players. Player A, B, C, or D, pick your poison. And then later in the episode, we're going to reveal what the players are, and you're going to see who your shooting guard is for your starting five that's going to be revealed within the next few weeks. If I was to have a pick out of the four players who I would probably choose, I'd probably go with player B. The reason why I would go with player B is because I'm more of a fan of versatility. I definitely love efficiency, don't get me wrong, and you know, doing it in limited minutes, but I'm more of a fan of, you know, versatility. Like, if you're not scoring, can you pass? And player B averaged seven assists, averaged 21 points, which was tied for the most. Still shot a pretty decent three-point percentage. And, yeah, he took the most shots. But, like I said, he he's actually contributing in other areas as well. And he's the tallest at six foot five. So, I think I want a versatile backcourt, you know, to where if my point guard don't got it going, my shooting guard can get it going. So, I will probably pick player B if it was up to me. So let's move along, man. Let's get into these topics. Let's dig into it. Let's get into the shit. So the first first topic we're going to get into is Team USA. And um, why is, why nobody want to play for USA? Why don't nobody want to represent the red, white, and blue? I know why. Because this shit don't mean nothing, man. Like, it's too much on the line for, for all these NBA players. Like, ain't no fucking need to, to risk getting Kevin Durant out there. You know what I mean? Trying to prove a point. Like... Everybody knows the USA has the most talent. And even if it's not USA born, who gives a fuck? Because the NBA takes place in the USA. So this is, once again, another thing that's been blown out of proportion. Like, this is not even a real Olympics. Like, this is the FIBA World Cup. So whoop-de-doo if Kevin Durant and them, or not Kevin Durant because he's hobbled, obviously, but LeBron James and Paul George, if they don't want to suit up for the FIBA World Cup, like, who gives a damn? Like, the Olympics is the big thing anyway. And to be honest... We're probably going to start to see the same thing take place in the Olympics as well, because a lot of the stuff that you're hearing is this is supposedly going to be the weakest team that we have ever put out in, <laughs> you know what I mean, history of of Olympic basketball. And that's unfair because there's a lot of talented players in the league. It's a lot of talented players in that pool. They're young and a lot of them don't have, 
you know, they're not battle tested and they may not have the experience. But if we're talking just from a pure talent perspective, which is usually what I'm thinking when you say somebody is better than someone, I think that, you know, you you have to take that into consideration when you consider how our chances is going to stack up against the competition. But more than anything, I'm sure was playing a huge role in this is the fact that Golden State is down. Like Golden State with Kevin Durant leaving and shit, you know what I mean? Now D'Angelo Russell being there, that's a completely different team. So Andre Iguodala's out of there, who is somebody that hit a lot of big shots for them in big games. Sean Livingston is gone. Quinn Cook is gone. DeMarcus Cousins is gone. Like that is a completely different team. So the old Golden State Warriors that's been dominating the league for like the past half decade, like they're gone now. So anybody feels like they can win it. That's why you see a lot of teams making these aggressive moves in the offseason. The Rockets, you know, ring a bell when I'm thinking of teams that are just going for it all. You know, it may not work, but we got to go for it because the window is wide open. So even though the Raptors won the championship, nobody cares about them because Kawhi Leonard left. So now we have a lot of these teams in position to really compete for a title. And it should gear up for an interesting season. But unfortunately, due to that, USA basketball is going to be a casualty. So I'm a fan. I'm a fan of the USA basketball because I don't care. Like I already know what the top players can do. I don't need to see them on on this stage to, to let me know how good they are. And for me, if I get to see the young players you know, represent our country and that's going to be the future of the NBA. I'm completely okay with that. It's a lot of guys that I'm, I'm really excited to see, like for the two biggest, I say the three biggest, biggest names in on this USA roster that I think is really going to make some noise is of course, Donovan Mitchell and Jason Tatum. They're the two most productive of like the second year players on that team. You know, they, they're accomplished, you know, Jason Tatum, went to the Eastern Conference Finals as a rookie. Donovan Mitchell has won playoff games. He's had success in the postseason. So these guys are more battle-tested than like a De'Aaron Fox, but, you know, they're all still so much, they have so much potential and so much game already, you know, even not even reaching that full potential. So third guy I'm going to mention is De'Aaron Fox, actually. He's super fast. You're really going to see the advantage he has from an athleticism standpoint you know, in, in the, like the Olympic or the FIBA World Cup, because a lot of the guys that they're going to be going against are inferior, you know, when it comes to just raw talent and De'Aaron Fox is oozing with raw talent. So it's going to be interesting to see the impact he has, because I don't know if he's going to start or come off the bench. I highly doubt he'll start considering they, they got Kyle Lowry on there who just won a championship, assuming he makes it. Cause I know he was, uh, he was dealing with an injury. So We'll see how that plays out, but I really I really think that this thing is getting blown out of proportion. But with the players not showing up, let's get into that. Let's let's really talk about it because it's it's a deeper meaning. Like of course all these teams want to compete for a championship and everybody thinks it's their chance, but it's more than just that. It's it's kind of like mutual interest. Like this thing is my number one motive, but I have something else that kind of aligns in what I'm trying to do. So I feel like you know, these players sitting out FIBA is one, it it just makes more business. It makes more sense from a business perspective. Like why risk myself potentially getting injured in exhibition games? That mean nothing. We saw what happened to Paul George a few years ago. It's a miracle that he's even back playing at the level he is. He's even better than he was before the injury. 
So kudos to him for doing that. But you just wish that you never even have to see that. And that happened in like a fucking scrimmage. So it is dangerous. And I'm sure a lot of these teams don't want their, you know, star commodity who recently signed a max deal or whatever the case may be, trying to go out in USA basketball and prove how good they are when it's a championship on the line. So it's a different kind of goal that I think these players want. They don't give a fuck about the gold medal. They want the, you know, I mean, they want that Larry O'Brien trophy. They want that gold. So it's going to be it's going to be cool to see, you know, how this unfolds, because they're saying that we're going to be the weakest team. I think these guys are going to be motivated by that. And we should see them blow out a lot of these teams. They're just going to be young and athletic. They're going to be running. They're going to be shooting. You know, they got guys that can do everything on this team. So I don't know what the, the panic is about. But back to like like I was talking about the guys who who decided to opt out. One of the names that you saw in the news maybe last week was C.J. McCollum, C.J. McCollum, shooting guard for the Portland Trailblazers. He uh, basically explained his perspective on the the Wolves pod, talking about how you know why guys are deciding to opt out. So this is C.J. McCollum, and this is what he had to say. If it was moved up earlier, if it wasn't so much travel between, if it wasn't so close to the September thirty deadline, a lot of guys would have been more likely to do it. But I think the, the other thing that changes the state of the NBA is different than it's been in a long time. There's a lot of teams competing for a championship now. You know, every year it's different based on who's the favorites and what's open, what's not open, team movement, roster movement, et cetera. But I think everybody feels like they have a chance. Do I need to say anything else? <laughs> like he is saying exactly, you know, he's expressing my sentiments. Like that's exactly what I'm saying. Like, they don't need this shit. Like, it's not precious. Like, it's not as precious as it's dressed up to be. And these players know, like, man, I'm in my prime. Like, you know, it's 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 my time. I'm about to be 30. A lot of these guys are, are getting up in age and, you know, they're still productive, but yet they've never been able to get over that hump. A guy that comes to mind is James Harden, you know, Damian Lillard. Those are guys that year in and year out, you know, they busting their ass, you know, Getting a team, getting a team to the to the to the playoffs and doing whatever they have to do to make that happen. So, with Golden State being down, it's 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 open season, man. Any anybody can get there. So, that that's what's most important. Because as far as all these players with their legacy, when it's all said and done, how many rings you got? You can't sit with the big dogs. You can't be in a conversation with the upper echelon of NBA greats if you don't have. That championship, if you don't have a ring, it don't matter. All the other hardware is cool, but you didn't win nothing. So you never accomplished a major goal. So stuff like that, you know, has to, in the minds of these NBA players, that that's what's more important. You know, my personal legacy. And it's, it's definitely played a role in why a lot of these guys are skipping the FIBA World Cup. And more than anything, too, like this era, that's what's in. You know what I mean? Like. It's kind of like when you was growing up in in the jocks, you know, when they would play, they play pickup basketball and they kind of take it easy. Like they're not really going hard. You know, they're trying to preserve their body. That That's what's going on now. It's at an all time high. Like this is the low management era and every team is doing it like to some capacity, like the whatever we're seeing it so much now to where players are choosing to sit out to make sure they're available for important games we're even seeing it, you know, trickle down into lower levels of basketball, like the summer league. 
this year in the summer league, like the stat was staggering. It was only out of the 14 lottery picks in this year's NBA draft, only seven of them actually played. And out of that seven, only five played in multiple games. So <laughs> you've seen the, the top picks still kind of being held back, even though they haven't even played in the NBA. You don't even know how good they're going to be. You need to play them to see how good they're going to be. But yet, teams are even holding these guys back before they could even show what they can do. Like, Zion Williamson played nine minutes in his debut. He could have played more. They said he wasn't severely hurt when he banged knees. But, you know, <laughs> he, he they chose to sit him out. And a lot of these guys, like, their agent is going to tell them to do the same thing. Because if you want to maximize your playing years, you got to stay healthy. And... These players are realizing that now and they're taking ownership over that. And it's not entertaining, but it's definitely the right thing to do. That's what they should do. If I was in that position, as an athlete, you're you're a product. You know what I mean? You're you're selling a product. And in order for a team to want to invest in that product, they have to they have to have commitment. They have to know that, okay, if I'm committing to this guy, I, I'm I'm under the impression that I'm going to have him available for most of that time. And these players know that's what teams want, so they're doing whatever they can to to stay the best versions of themselves. Like, LeBron spends six, seven figures just to make sure, you know, his conditioning is, is up to par and to make sure his body is right. Like, that's an investment. If you're putting that much money into something, it's because it's making you so much more back. So I definitely understand that that's the approach that, a lot of these players should take. And unfortunately, now the league is going to want to change that. The league hates when players have any league for the most part. If the players in it are not on board with the decisions that the league is making, it's going to cause problems. One of the the biggest, I would say, thorn in the foot of the NBA is Rich Paul. And we're going to talk about him later in this episode. But what he is doing, like, Anthony Davis was able to force his way out of New Orleans and get traded to the Los Angeles Lakers. Everybody's seen it happening, and it was nothing that they can do. They had to get rid of him. You saw it with LeBron James, which is, you know, a client of Rich Paul and pretty much, you know, who's responsible for Rich Paul's success because that's a childhood friend of LeBron that he put on in a position to be an agent. And now he is like the best agent in the league, and he's forcing the league's hand because they can't control his players. Like if they're talented and they have a voice, you know, amongst the fans and power in social media, you, you have to, you have to keep that player happy. And with the league, they kind of become the villain in this instant and it's nothing they can really do to fix it. So of course they're going to hate when, you know, players start to develop, you know, I don't really need this shit. I can kind of like work the system in a way to where it benefits me, even though it may not be necessarily set up for me. Let's be real. Like, let's let's just be honest when we take a look at what it means to suit up and play for USA to represent your country. Like the league last year was, <clears throat> excuse me, was over 80% African-American. That That's basically what the league is. It's, it's black players, you know, and the decision of black players is going to determine, you know, how much revenue is generated for the NBA. So when they decide to stick together and do something that, you know, when they make a decision collectively, 
it's nothing that the league can do because they hold so much power being that they are the mass and they pretty much make up your product, which is the NBA. So if, like I said, over 80% is black, we have to think about some things that, you know, black people experience. I myself am black. So all the decisions they make that I see get scrutinized on TV, I agree with most of them and I understand it, but we just got to be real. If the league is over 80% or, you know, yeah, over 80% African-American, think about it. USA hasn't necessarily been the most kind place to African-Americans ever, you know, in history. Not just recently with Trump and all his bullshit, but I'm just talking about, you know, everything, you know, <laughs> the slavery and all. It's, it's never been kind to people of color. So with that being said, it's like, well, why do why would I represent a country who the president vouches for an organization talking about the NFL that won't even give a guy a job that is overqualified, but because he chose to take a stand for something that, you know, some people felt was offensive. Whatever the case may be, we see people all the time in this country get, we see, we see them get a slap on the wrist, you know, when they're of a fair, a more fair complexion. So these players recognize that LeBron is, the the leader of that charge, he's always going to speak up when there's any kind of, um, you know, inequality taking place. Like we've seen it in the NBA finals when Kyle Lowry fell to the, the side and the part owner of the Warriors, white guy just pushed him and shoved him for no reason. Like it was no cause for that. I mean, no need for that. But it still took place. So we see it, but we chose to ignore it. And as black people, like... <laughs> Once we realize how powerful we actually are and how much of the, you know, the dollar that we actually control, you know, that's when we become dangerous. And I think these teams are starting to realize that, like, a lot you've seen Greg Popovich, coach for the Spurs, Steve Kerr, coach for the Warriors. You've seen them, like, stand up for, you know, racial inequality and, and you know, promote individuality for African-American players and, you know, allow them to be themselves and, accept differences and, you know, collectively just be able to to stick together despite our differences. So you've seen that, you know, in the media a lot. But now these players are choosing not to, you know, suit up for Team USA. And now you see, you know, both Steve Kerr and Greg Popovich come out and talk about how this is not good for the league. And especially the point that I made earlier talking about players demanding trades, like once Anthony Davis, um, you know, requested to get traded from the Pelicans, Steve Kerr has some comments to say about that, about how players can't start doing that because it's not good for the league. But when the team cuts you, it's all good. When a team cuts you, it's business. When a player, um, you know what I mean, requests a trade, he's being a professional now. So it has to work both ways. You, you, you can't, you know, it can't just be all positive for one side and all negative for another side. Because once, it can't be that way, if the side that you're shitting on is your entire product, like <laughs> you can't shit on the players. They are the game. So whatever they say, they got to be the ultimate decision makers because they are what people are coming to see. There ain't nobody sitting, ain't nobody flying to <laughs> flying in LA to get s- tickets to fucking see Frank Vogel coach. Don't nobody care about that. Don't nobody want to see Doc Rivers. We respect them. We We understand what they bring to the game, but you coming to see the entertainment. You coming to see D'Angelo Russell, you know what I mean? Go behind the back, throw a no look. You coming to see Kyrie Boogie. You coming to see Steph Curry launch from 30. And <laughs> you know what I mean? That that 
that's what with the entertainment. That's where the entertainment comes in, and that's what people want to see. You know what I mean? At least that's what I want to see. Speaking for myself, so I definitely understand. You know how the league is is panicking due to the decision that these players are making, but I like to see it because I like seeing when people realize how much power they have. And just as a black man, it just feels good for myself just to, you know, see we being disruptive, man, and we just not accepting the status quo. We saying fuck that. So if we choose, we don't want to suit up for Team USA. It's not that we're being less patriotic. You know what I mean? I'm just maximizing my dollar because I do know once I can't produce for these motherfuckers anymore, they're going to cut me. They going to do that to anybody. Like, it, it, it's, it's, it's happened already. So if history is any indication on how my pro career is going to end, of course, I'm going to take the necessary steps to make sure I go out on top. So moving along from that, man, a uh, couple of things I want to mention about this topic as well. I want to talk about the, the players that actually got invited. So it was 17 players um, that made the roster over the weekend, or I think it was right before. It, yeah, it was right before the weekend. We saw Thaddeus Young and Bam Adebayo get cut. So that left us with 17 players. So we got De'Aaron Fox, Kyle Lowry, Kimball Walker, Donovan Mitchell, Jalen Brown, Chris Middleton, Harrison Barnes, Jason Tatum, Kyle Kuzma, Marvin Bagley III, Miles Turner, Mason Plumley. We got Derek White, Marcus Smart, Brooke Lopez, Joe Harris, and P.J. Tucker. So... That's the squad right now. Of course, there ain't a lot of big name players in there. Like when you look at it, we it was probably the, I'm almost guaranteed this is the least amount of all stars we have ever seen on a Team USA roster. Chris Middleton and Kimball Walker are oh and Kyle Lowry. So it's only three all stars on this roster. You got some French all star players, well like Donovan Mitchell, of course, and Jason Tatum will probably take that step next year, but. Just looking at the current roster with only three all-stars, that doesn't look that intimidating. So I see, I understand what people are saying, but I think a lot of panic is just because we're not as good as we once our previous teams were. But I do feel like the NBA has so much, <laughs> the, the talent level is so superior that even if you take our C-level talent, it'll still be able to compete with a lot of countries best. And that's no disrespect, but... You know, I'm just calling the spade a spade. So with this team, um, I, I shit, I just saw earlier, too, that Marvin Bagley dropped out. And that's big because I actually thought Marvin Bagley was going was gonna to do his thing on the stage. I thought he could have benefited from this, getting the exposure. People could see what he can do because I think he's primed for a breakout season um, in his second year with the Sacramento Kings. So he was one of my picks. So I'll, I'll say my pick last because I'm going to list out my roster that I would probably open up the the FIBA World Cup with out of the pool of players that's still there. So I would definitely have De'Aaron Fox there, Kyle Lowry, Kimball Walker. That's my trio at point guard. I got scoring with Kimball Walker. I got leadership with Kyle Lowry. And I got youth and athleticism with um, De'Aaron Fox. Shooting guard, I got Donovan Mitchell. If you want to say Jalen Brown is a two, he's a hybrid two slash three. So wherever you want to put him, that's that's basically my backcourt. And then uh, I, just, I just got power and, and strength, athleticism with, with Donovan Mitchell and Jalen. So I like my backcourt with them. And then Chris Middleton at the small forward position, knockdown shooter, solid defender, all-star. And then you got uh, Jason Tatum. I think that 
he is about to go crazy. He he reminds me a lot of Melo, just in his his offensive bag at this age, like what he can do. Everybody knows he's eventually going to be an all star just because of all you know. I mean, his skill level. He he came into the league a knockdown shooter. He can handle at his size, six foot eight. Like he's scary. So I think he's going to have a. I think he's going to turn a lot of heads and put a lot of people on notice this year. And it's going to start in this FIBA World Cup. So um, Jason Tatum, I would have him on my roster, Harrison Barnes, Kyle Kuzma, Miles Turner, Mason Plumley. Basically just athleticism in that front court. And then I get some shooting with uh, Harrison Barnes, Kyle Kuzma. And then um, as far as my center position, uh, I, I had Marvin Bagley the third there. But like I said, he just dropped out. So the pool of players that would have been left, P.J. Tucker, Derek White, Marcus Smart, Joe Harris, and Brooke Lopez. I feel like I got to kind of get some size on the front line for Team USA, so I will put Brooke Lopez in there. So I think that's a pretty well-rounded 12, at least the most well-rounded 12 that I can compose out of the current pool of players. So I think with that roster, they're more than capable of winning gold and pretty much shutting everybody up that, you know, we should be afraid because <laughs> – I mean, basically, the team is the Kings and the Celtics. Like, when the camp opened and the players were all invited, it was four players from the Celtics and three players from the Kings. So it's like, damn, it was only 17 players, and seven of them were, you know, from those respective teams. So I see why people was panicking because them teams ain't win shit last year. But nonetheless, they still got some talent on, on their squad. But I think that this the next year, next year is going to be crazy because the 2020 Olympics in Tokyo – you know, if these players do the same thing and decide not to represent their country, you know, <laughs> it's already it's already causing some people to panic, you know, that we could potentially not be the dominant nation in terms of basketball. Because if we don't win gold, you know, that's all that matters. And I think it's, you know, putting the fear in some people's heart. But at the end of the day, it's no big deal. It's like if <laughs> I'm playing one on one with somebody and I'm wearing flip-flops, and they're wearing, you know, new basketball shoes. If they beat me, I'm not going to, you know, have a fit. They had an advantage. I understand they're at an advantage, and it is what it is. I know I didn't put my best product out, but there's a reason why, because I have a, a bigger goal in mind, and for these players, that's the NBA championship. More so than anything, though, it's, you know, <laughs> the league now, it's just cool to say no to shit. Like, it's cool to just not show up. Like, that, that's just what's in right now. The low management era is just, it's cool to say fuck off. Like, <laughs> to not give a damn is what's in. Like, James Harden knew he wasn't winning the MVP at the this year's NBA Awards show. So he just didn't show up. He said, fuck it. I'm not about to waste my time and go there. I'm about to chase a bag somewhere else. And you know what I mean? They doing their thing. So you can't hate it. It's, 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 it's what the game is today. And I think that... You know, players expressing their individuality is something that we should be praising instead of tearing down. And speaking of players expressing their individuality, one of the most vocal players in the league. Let me see. I, I do a little invitation to see if y'all know who I'm talking about. I'm not about to get into no back and forth with him. I'm Kevin Durant. Y'all know who I am. Y'all know who I am. <laughs> yeah, I know. I gave it away. I said his name, but. That shit is classic, man, and that's that's vintage KD, and that's basically who he is. So, just uh, recently, last week, he, he he made some comments and he said some things in an interview with Yahoo Sports. 
he talked about, you know, the one of the biggest questions that's been going, that's been causing everybody to scratch their heads since the end of last season. You know, in the NBA Finals, the Warriors lost to the Toronto Raptors and their team just fell apart. Everybody got hurt. Everybody was hobbled. It was a lot of speculation on if there was some foul play on the side of the Warriors because what what kind of made things worse was that you kind of saw them crumbling and you saw them backpedaling, seeking for answers, but it was nothing they could really do. And they couldn't really, you know, they scrambled. But after a while, if everybody is hurt, you can only do so much. And they just kind of saw it slipping away. And instead of just like going away gracefully and preparing to come back more strong, they they forced it. And we saw a lot of players' career get altered because of that. Kevin Durant ruptured his Achilles. It's no telling if he'll ever come back the same. But in this interview, he, he says he plans to do so. And some of the things he said in that interview, he just he's, he said, how could you blame the Warriors? He said, nobody pressured me. And one of the biggest things that at least I questioned was, did they make him go back too early? Because it didn't really make much sense to me. Like, there was a lot of speculation at the beginning of the season, like, hey, they think Kevin Durant is, is about to bounce at the end of the season. Like, nobody thinks he's coming back. So if he's not coming back, why like why why go back in the playoffs and try and play for a team who you have no intentions of returning with? I get it trying to go out on top, but if you're already leaving them, it, it makes no sense to to risk your career for them. So that kind of like, I didn't really understand that. And I also seen a report recently too, uh, I think it was Chris Haynes from Yahoo Sports. He said that Kevin Durant stopped talking to his teammates during the season. Like they just stopped communicating. So all signs pointed to him already being checked out. So I, especially with Andre Iguodala, he went on a breakfast club and said that, you know, the the Warriors medical staff and team will, was making players he basically alluded to to players being forced to to suit up through injury and potentially risk they you know the their livelihood their career so he was talking about that because he had a book that came out and he aired out some of their dirty laundry saying that they don't necessarily say like you have to play through injury but it's kind of like pressuring you like you good man you all right like you, you can play right you can go on that you almost there you almost there buddy like stuff like that so they was trying to Force Kevin Durant, you know, with them same kind of tactics in my mind. That's what I kind of I thought before having any intel on the situation. So to hear that there was no influence from the Warriors and that he did that by himself, I don't know if I believe that because Kevin Durant has a history of flip flopping. Kevin Durant, what he does is whatever most people think that Kevin Durant is doing, he wants to do the exact opposite. Nobody thought he would leave Oklahoma City and do that to Russell Westbrook after they, you know, been to an NBA Finals together and the potential they had of what they could have reached as a tandem. He said, fuck it, <laughs> and left and went to Golden State, the team they lost to in the playoffs despite being up three games to one. So he caught a lot of people off guard with that position. Um, he's just really petty. He, he had burner accounts where he was talking shit to people who was talking shit about him. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's just like... His obsession to want to prove people wrong is probably what went into his decision making and trying to play through that injury. People probably was calling him checked out, saying that he didn't want to play and give his all for an organization. And he already had a stigma of being called soft. So that was probably him 
trying to quiet the naysayers and making a decision in an emotional state when he probably should have just took a step back and evaluated exactly what he had in front of him. So I still believe the Warriors have some influence on it. I don't think Kevin Durant is going to reveal it at this time. I do think he'll he'll eventually reveal it later because that's just how Kevin Durant is. Like, and he he likes to speak in semantics as well. Like, he got into a, a back and forth not too long ago with Chris Broussard from Fox Sports, and Chris Broussard was reporting saying that he has spoke to Kevin Durant recently. So Kevin Durant goes on Twitter and says, "I do not have Chris Broussard's number." So Broussard responds and says, okay, if you want to be petty, that's cool. But I never said I called Kevin Durant. He said I spoke to Kevin Durant. So he said, no, I don't have his number, but I communicated with him via Instagram DM. So if if he wants to play that game, we could. But Kevin Durant, he, he just does shit like that. So he's my favorite player, but at times I do agree he could look like a clown. And I just think that he's trying to take the focus off of what happened in Golden State so he can move forward because they should have won that last year and he shouldn't have gotten hurt and things shouldn't have played out the way it did based off the current team that they had constructed. So I see where he even mentioned it in that that interview. He said that he still thinks about it all the time. Like it's never going to go away, but in order for Kevin Durant to feel better about it, you know, he has to help people forget it. So if he can just tell them that they had nothing to do with it, that was a decision that he made on his own then, you know, we won't hear about it because it's kind of like him closing the door on that chapter. But I don't think that's the reality of what happened. I think Kevin Durant was, I think Kevin Durant was pressured into playing. I think Kevin Durant still wanted to play to prove a point. So there was mutual interest there. And I think that led to a, a hasty decision that he still probably regrets to this day, even though he may not admit it. If you think about it, his whole decision to to even go to Brooklyn was another one of those moves that most people kind of like speculated it and they said it. But no, the move was actually he was going to go to New York. So everybody just assumed the Knicks. And I think, well, I know everybody <laughs> knew that Kevin Durant being an East Coast guy, you know, playing at the Garden, Madison Square Garden is something that anybody would love the opportunity to have. So if he... You know, he was labeled as a cupcake for joining a team that was already great in the Golden State Warriors. And then he won two championships with them. And most people felt like he already should have won them championships because they were already the best team and you were arguably the best player. So you joining them doesn't really prove anything. So his rings are (laughs) that nobody really gives a fuck about his rings. And his whole thing was, okay, he's a great player, but Kevin Durant won't be taken seriously among the all-time greats until he gets rings. Then he gets rings and people say, well, shit, your rings don't really mean as much as like LeBron's ring (laughs) against the Golden State Warriors before you got there. So now he has to deal with that. So Kevin Durant's mind is constantly trying to, or Kevin Durant, he's always trying to prove people wrong and show that, you know, he can, he could do whatever people say he can't. And at the same time, still trying to be you know, secretive with his decision and, and shock the world. So if you take all those things into consideration and then you look at what's going on, everybody has him projected to go to the New York Knicks. So Kevin Durant, it makes sense. Okay, I can go to the New York Knicks. They're a shit organization. They've been trash forever. I can win a championship with them. And it'll be like the opposite of winning one with the Warriors when I will have to get all the credit because I'm single-hand- I am single-handedly turn that organization around. Well, once everybody had him 
presumed to go to the Knicks, Kevin Durant decides to throw a wrist in the plan, teams up with Kyrie Irving, and goes to Brooklyn. So it's like, well, he's still in fucking New York, but he's just not at the New York that everybody projected him to be at. So it's still him being different, but in a way, still getting what he probably wanted in the first place was to play in you know, a, a major market for a team that's on the up and up, basically, so he can show his value. So I understand, I understand the move in that aspect, but it's, it's, just, it's Kevin Durant being Kevin Durant. And if you go by his previous decisions and things that he's done in the past, it, it, it really shouldn't surprise you. Like just recently I seen on, on Instagram, I seen a, a post of Kendrick Perkins talking ill on Kevin Durant and they were supposed to be cool. Like whenever... Kevin Durant had got hurt. Kendrick Perkins was vocal. Like he was on Fox Sports and all kind of shit talking, talking big shit about the organization, saying they had to pressure him. I know what's going on. Kevin Durant told me I got the inside scoop. So he on TV telling everybody that, you know, he, he got the inside scoop. Kevin Durant told him per- personally, and they used to play on a team together. So I can see them being cool. So then you don't hear from Kevin Durant. And now Kevin Durant goes on that interview and said, no, nobody pressured me into doing that. That's bullshit. Y'all just be speculating stuff that ain't true. So now Kendrick Perkins look like a fucking asshole, even though he probably saying stuff that Kevin Durant told him. But once again, Kevin Durant has to prove the narrative wrong about him. So when Kendrick Perkins tells the story of what actually happened, now it looks like, you know, Kevin Durant was taken advantage of and he's not able to make the decision on his own. So now he has to tell people, no, I did make the decision on my own. And by doing that, now Kendrick Perkins looks like a liar. But he doesn't give a fuck because Kevin Durant has to prove everybody wrong. So even though Kendrick Perkins was telling the truth, and that may have actually been what happened because it came from the mouth of Kevin Durant, KD still has to tell you, no, it went another way. (laughs) So him saying that nothing happened in the Warriors organization doesn't really like solidify anything for me. Because like I said, I'm just going off his previous judgment. But if he said it, he said it, man. (laughs) So it is what it is. If you're just now tuning in with us, welcome to the ISO podcast. Um, If you're not already following us on Twitter and Instagram, please go ahead and do so. Instagram is at HoopFacts. That's H-O-O-P underscore underscore F-A-C-T-S. And follow us on Twitter. It's the same thing. H-O-O-P underscore underscore F-A-C-T-S. But yeah, um, if if you're just tuning in with us, please subscribe. Whether you listen on Anchor, Spotify, uh, whatever you may be listening to, please Please get involved with us because we want to do some fun things, you know, each week once every episode airs. Like in this next before we get into this next segment with uh, Rich Paul versus the league, what I also want to do is reveal the players from the Pick Your Poison, you know, segment that I said I was going to introduce at the start of this episode. So before I introduce the players, if you're listening to this podcast, I really want us to get involved on social media just so we can kind of get some more people involved in you know, spread the ISO podcast, you know, expand the home team, you know, get some more people on our side to, to get with this basketball movement. But what um, if you're if you're tuned in and you listen at the start of the podcast, if not rewind back just here when I introduce player A, B, C and D. What I want you to do is um, put this on Twitter, put it on Instagram, whatever hashtag pick your poison and whatever player you pick. I want you to go ahead and, and let the world know, you know, who your shooting guard is for your starting five. And if you don't want to do it now, you want to wait, you know, for the upcoming weeks to, to get your team, you know, settled in, 
starting five and you know you're starting five and then you can start posting it out so people can know who your squad is. But just whatever, whenever you decide to do it, please put hashtag pick your poison. And, you know, pretty much we're going to see we're going to see what our roster or what our starting five looks like in these next few weeks. So I want everybody to get involved. I want to see our rosters. Um, I want to see our starting fives once this is all said and done. And, you know, if, if more than anything, everybody should be different. So <laughs> we'll see. So let's go back to the players involved in the Pick Your Poison, Pick Your Poison series. So player A, player A was an attractive commodity when you just look at like his build. He was six foot four, two fifteen, so he got some size to him at that two guard spot. Average twenty one, average five boards, shot forty three percent from three, um, seventeen shots a game, which is you know pretty decent for a starting two guard. That that's a score so. That was an attractive commodity, and um, so we're, we're going to go ahead and reveal player A. So if you pick player A as your two guard for your starting five as we move forward for these next few weeks, you are opening up with Buddy Hield as your starting two guard. So if you pick player A based off the numbers, you have Buddy Hield. So <laughs> nice young player, knockdown shooter, had a, had a real good season last year with Sacramento, so Expect big things out of him, but that's your two guards. So moving on to player B, this was my pick. So we're going to see who I got. And to be honest, I really just went off the numbers I did not pick because I knew who the people were, but just being completely honest. So player B, six foot five, 200 pounds, average 21, seven assists. He dishing that thing, 37% from the threes. He knocking it down from 30. So he, this player will, it's just in terms of the profile, like what he can do what he could bring to the table at that size, you know what I mean? It, it was ideal. So if you pick player B like I did, you have D'Angelo Russell. You got the snitch. <laughs> I'm just playing. <laughs> but you got D'Lo. Um, so one of the most talented young players in the league, he just got a max deal um, after his breakout season with the Brooklyn Brooklyn Nets. So now he's joining the Golden State Warriors. So Kevin Durant's out. D'Angelo Russell's in. And he is not only in for the Warriors, but he's in for your squad too. If you had player B, just like I did. So moving along, player C, six foot one, one seventy five. This is the little guy, but he also averaged twenty. So pack a lot of punch. This guy also um, averaged five assists. So still dishing the rock. But one of the things that stood out most with player C was the amount of time it took for him to make an impact in very small small doses. So player C. Only played 26 minutes a game, only took 15 shots a game. So the least amount of minutes and the least amount of shots taken out of every player involved in this in this series. And player C, if you pick player C, you got Sweet Lou. You got Lou Williams. So one of the most dynamite scorers in the league. And as we all know, if you follow basketball, the reason why Sweet Lou plays so little minutes is because he is a six man. He's one of the best six men of all time, probably the to be completely honest. So you got Sweet Lou if you pick player C. So last player in the Pick Your Poison series. First first, first edition of the Pick Your Poison series for your shooting guard. If you pick player D, you got a six foot three guy that's 190 pounds that averaged 21 points last year, 46% from the field, 37% from three. So player D is, is solid efficient, you know what I mean, <laughs> gets the job done, plays 34 minutes, so you know he's reliable, he's going he's gonna to be able to, to get you buckets, and 
at a very efficient clip. So if you pick player D, you have CJ McCullum. So CJ McCullum was our player D. So player A, if you're just tuning in, was Buddy Hill. Player B was D'Angelo Russell. Player C was Lou Williams. Player D was CJ McCullum. Thank you for playing. I'm just playing. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's the player. So next week, we're going to do uh, small forwards. And we'll have some interesting players on, on there as well, too. And, of course, it'll be the same deal. All you know is the numbers, and you got to pick the player based off the numbers. And by the time we're done, we'll have a starting five, and you can compare them with all the homies and see who got a better lineup. Speaking of lineups, who got a better clientele? Who got a better list of clients than Rich Paul in the NBA? One of the top agents in the league. He is giving the league hell. <laughs> They can't control these players, man, and it's it's all because of him. He's he's promoting, you know, he's promoting ownership and promoting, you know, players doing whatever they want if they have the talent to demand so. And of course, whenever something this disruptive, you know, gets in the way of an organization, it's never gonna be welcomed with open arms. So I think Rich Paul understands what's going on, but He's a threat, man. <laughs> that's why That's why I had that song play. He's a threat. And one of the biggest threats to the NBA, earlier I, I, I mentioned, I said, he's kind of like a thorn in the foot of the NBA. The NBA is this massive organization and he's only an agent. But how can this agent cause so much haywire within an organization that has been so successful for so many years? So his tactics are aggressive. You know, Anthony Davis, I know I referenced it earlier, but this guy was drafted by the Pelicans. He was their best player for years. And, you know, he decided he didn't want to be losing anymore. And he wanted to play for for an organization that'll actually improve his legacy, you know, with with the prestige and with the winning background and basically be in a place to where he can eventually win a championship. So he forced his way out. And now, Anthony Davis and LeBron James, both clients of Rich Paul, are now on the same team. So one thing I also alluded to or I mentioned earlier in this episode was Steve Kerr. He he voices his displeasure. He didn't like that. He didn't like the fact that these players are in the middle of their contract and saying, you know what? Fuck y'all. I don't want to be here no more. <laughs> like, trade me. To- Eric Bledsoe was, in a, was on the Phoenix Suns and Eric Bledsoe said, I don't want to be here. He literally posted, I don't want to be here on Twitter. And his ass was traded to the Milwaukee Bucks, and they just finished last season as the the number one seed in the Eastern Conference, and damn near made it to the NBA Finals. Like <laughs> that, that's how quick shit can change. And these players are realizing their power. Of course, Eric Bledsoe tried to cover the shit up and said he was in a hair salon. Like, get the fuck out of here. You was on the Phoenix Suns. You was losing every year. We understand you saying you didn't want to be there. Like, you didn't have to lie about that. But anyway, back to Rich Paul. He's disruptive, man, and. One of the things that just happened over the, the in the past week was what people are calling the Rich Paul rule. So LeBron James went on Twitter and he posted this because there was a rule just implemented by the NCAA, one of the shadiest, probably the shadiest fucking organization ever. But they basically implemented a new rule to where players who are testing the waters for the NBA, deciding whether they want to go or come back. They have to they have certain qualifications for the agent that they can hire. And the I'll give you guys what 
the qualifications are. So the agent must pass an in-person exam taken in November at the NCAA offices in Indianapolis. This agent must be certified by the NBA Players Association for at least three years, and this agent must have a bachelor's degree. Ding, ding, ding. That's the main thing, the bachelor's degree. Now, the reason why the bachelor's degree is what causes the most stir up is because Rich Paul, the best agent in the NBA right now, does not have a bachelor's degree. And like I said earlier, it's because LeBron James put him in a position to where I'm the best. LeBron is the best player in the NBA and has been for most of his NBA career. So if his agent is a friend, nobody cares because he's going to get max dollar because everybody knows his value. So you don't even need an agent to to boost your value because you're LeBron James. So he automatically had the best client to start. And then from there, he learned different tactics of how he can, you know, ultimately get a, a larger clientele full of talented players, maybe not as good as LeBron, but really damn close, especially when you look at guys like Anthony Davis. So now the NCAA is implementing these rules and LeBron James referred to it as the Rich Paul rule. Now, for myself, I don't necessarily agree with that. I do think that it was an attempt to make things more difficult for maybe future Rich Pauls, but I think they realized that Rich Paul is here to stay and there's nothing they can really do. Like, this rule doesn't really affect him because this is for players who are testing the waters. So this is a player who may be a f- sophomore, freshman in college, and he's deciding, like, hey, do I need to come back? and attend another year, maybe get better, and then go for the league next year? Or should I enter the draft this year? So that's what testing the waters means. With these guys that are testing the waters, they're not surefire top five, top 10 picks as it is. So they're not even on the radar of a Rich Paul. Rich Paul is going after the Zion Williamson. Rich Paul is going after the, you know, RJ Barrett, the guys that are surefire locks for the NBA draft that in the biggest difference between those two players is if a guy declares for the NBA draft and he's not testing the waters like he just commits to it he can't go back to college now and with players that are deciding to test the waters after a certain period they could go through the pre-draft process and still decide to come back but those guys that you know are on the fence that may still come back they only can get the representation provided basically by essentially by the NCAA so the system is already corrupt with, okay, so the, the, in, the, the college football and college basketball are two sports in the NCAA that are dominated predominantly by black players. Those are also the two sports in the NCAA that have the most unnecessary rules, so to say, because for an NBA player, LeBron came out of high school, KG came out of high school, T-Mac came out of high school, Kobe came out of high school. Like Some of the best players in the NBA have came out of high school, and you got a lot of guys who could have. Zion Williamson very well could have came to the NBA out of high school, just when you look at his size and his ability. So the NBA is not necessarily a game to where a guy needs to be in college to develop. And if that is the case, why is he only have to... Why does a player only required to do one year of college. Because if you're going to develop, what is one year really going to do? You don't get a degree after one year of college. And that's because it takes time to actually work towards something. So the only reason they require a player to be one and done is because he's he's profitable. Zion Williamson, I'm sure made Duke a whole lot of money in that one year that he did there. 
that in that one year, he made them so much money just from memorabilia, ratings, you know, just overall exposure. Zion Williamson didn't see a penny of that. So the NCAA is making all that money. And it's only because players have to come to college. Zion Williamson probably would have never went to college if it wasn't mandatory. So he does that one year. Shit, really was is a blessing that he got out in one piece because he got hurt when his shoe blew out that one game. And luckily he was able to push through that and it wasn't a severe injury. But the corruption of the NCAA can cost a player his career at any given time because he's forced to play a game that he probably would have never played had he had the choice being a college basketball game. So you're seeing a lot of these players deciding to go overseas, LaMelo Ball, RJ Hampton. These guys are fresh out of high school, but instead of going to college, they're going overseas. So they can start getting paid as pros already, start living a life as a pro, start to get ingratiated in the life, you know, the lifestyle of a professional athlete. And that's a better, I wouldn't say it's better in terms of the talents you play, depending on the league you enter. I think actually LaMelo Ball entered a pretty, um, him and RJ Hampton are in the same league. They entered a pretty competitive uh, league in Australia. But for the most part, college basketball is going to be the highest level of talent to gauge a prospect coming into the league. So if the college basketball system has the most talent and once they make a player come there, now you have to take the representation they provide to pretty much consult you on if you should go to the NBA or not, what do you think they're going to do? They're going to advise the player to stay in college another year because they're, they have to go through the, the system of the NCAA. So the NCAA is basically trying to hire, I'm pretty sure is going to promote agents that are pushing players to stay in college to make more money for the NCAA game. So like I said, this doesn't really affect Rich Paul, but it's just a fucked up rule when you think about it. The reason why I, I think that these rules are in place for like the college, and I, I didn't really get into it, but in college football, a player has to do three years before they have to be in college at least three years before they can declare for the NFL draft. And with the NFL, I get it. You have to, you have to physically mature. But the reason why it's still messed up for the sports that are predominantly dominated by black players is because it forces them to have to pick between their education or their professional career. And just because I am talented, that doesn't mean I should have to sacrifice my education if I think they're both valuable. Because to be honest, the earlier you can get into the NBA makes more sense because you start making money at a younger age, which means you have a longer playing career ahead of you, which means you can make more money. So for a player to go directly out of high school, you see LeBron James, He's been able to maximize his dollar because he has been, you know, getting paid since he was 17 years old. So his bank accounts is fat now. But when you look at a player like let's let's even look at a guy that was in our uh, pick your poison segment, Buddy Hill. Buddy Hill is older than some guys who have been in the league for two to three years just because he did, um, you know, multiple years in college. And yeah, he's successful now, but teams aren't really valuing him like they're going to value a De'Aaron Fox because he has less years ahead of him just because of his age. So that's one of the things that is messed up in the sports that are predominantly dominated by black players because it forces them to have to choose. So with that being said, if you compare it to other sports, just so I can kind of give you guys an idea of what I'm talking about, 
the these are some stats from last year, 2018. So 45% of men's basketball players were black. 33% of the assistant coaches were black. 17% of the head coaches were black. So as you can see, a trend, the higher it gets in, I guess, authority, the less color you start to see. So let, let's keep going. Because I, I think what they're trying to do is the more people who, if white people can collectively control what the product is on the field, no matter how much the players dislike it, they can't go, they, they can't overpower what the brand is of the NBA because there's nobody that looks like them in a position of leadership. So if there's no black owners or general managers, you know, that can speak up when they see something going on, the white, you know, the white people in a position of leadership could spin it in a way to where, you know, oh, no, I've never seen it that way. Like, look at the NFL, for instance, with Colin Kaepernick. They're all pretty much collectively deciding to, to blackball him from the NFL. So it's definitely possible. But let's let's get into these stats so you guys can understand what I mean. Um, so that was the stats for men's basketball. So for football, 39% of all football players in 2018 were black. 11% were, uh, of the head coaches were black. So this percentage of head coaches is even lower in football than it is in basketball. Now let's look over to baseball. Baseball is 4% black. white. When we look at the coaching, only 3% of the head coaches are black, while 92% of the head coaches in men's baseball is white. Let's look at hockey. Oh, man, hockey got to be better, though. It can't be worse, can it? Wrong. (laughs) It's terrible. So look look at the difference in, you know, diversity in the sports that are, you know, predominantly dominated by Caucasians. So let's see, uh, hockey, men's hockey. You have black players at 1%. (laughs) White players made up 77%. And then when we look at the head coaches, you have 1% of black head coaches in men's hockey and 96% white. Ironic that in both of those sports, men's baseball and hockey, a player is allowed to get drafted directly out of high school, but he can still go on to college and get his education and then and then pursue his professional career. So if in the all if at the end of the day things don't work out, that player still is able to get his degree and then pursue a professional career. So, you know, he still has something that he can do once his playing career is over. That's bullshit because the sports that are dominated by black people is micromanaged and in a sense, promoting all these dumbass rules because I, I, I truly feel like they're, the NCAA believes that African-Americans are incapable of making decisions, <laughs> are incapable of making educated decisions about their professional career. So they put all these things in place to try and what they shield as guide them in the correct direction. But all it is is pushing them back to college to benefit off them. And of course, you could always 
you could always dress it up and say that it's in the best interest of the players because you just want them to get an education. But if that was the case, you would give them a choice to decide if they even want to go to college in the first place. So all it is is an effort to, to maximize the dollar of the NCAA. It's not, it's not intended to help. It's bullshit. And they always try and dress it up like it's something different. Now, I know the NBA doesn't like Rich Paul. The, the things I mentioned earlier, like, just think about it. The AD saga, we talked about LeBron James. He has always forced himself out of situations, even a player to the level that's not even as big as those guys. Like, look at Marcus Morris, ex-Celtics uh, forward. He signed with the San Antonio Spurs and then changed his mind and decided to go to the New York Knicks. Like, that's, that's something that's, the last time I seen that was when DeAndre Jordan did it. And he, he was supposed to go to the Dallas Mavericks, but instead he ended up going, he ended up staying with the Clippers. Like players don't really change their mind. This is well thought out decisions. So once they make that commitment, it usually stays, but not with a Rich Paul client. Rich Paul clients do whatever fuck they want because they run a shit. <laughs> That's just what it is. So you see these staggering statistics, but yet we keep circling back to men's basketball. There's nothing wrong with men's basketball. The, the, the whole idea of men's basketball is never going to be viewed positively by me until they incorporate a way to start paying the guys that they are profiting most off of. How do you profit off of these guys and not give them any piece of the pie? It just makes no sense. So, like I said, I, I think that the NCAA is shady. They've always been shady, but this is much of the same. And I don't, I don't see this as the Rich Paul rule, but more than anything, I just think that it's just another ploy for them to try and exploit these high school phenoms into, you know, marketing dollars and promotional campaigns to where they use the player's likeliness, but yet don't give them a fucking dime. So it's, it's nasty. It's, it's disgusting. However, Rich Paul is making this league fucking interesting. Like, I can't lie. Like, he got he got this shit, like, going all the way crazy. So... I'm excited, man, for this season. I'm I'm a big Rich Paul fan. Anybody that, that got it out the mud the way he did with Braun, like, you got to salute that. So I think that the fact that he is in that position and he's causing so much disruption with an organization this big, you got to big him up, man. And with the way the league is looking now, that brings me to our final quarter, or shall we say our final topic of the day? Oh, yeah. We've been waiting, right? Y'all about to get to... Got to hear my playoff bracket. Who are the best eight teams on the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference? You're going to hear it now. Will the Warriors fall? Will they still be good? Will the Nuggets bounce back? Will the Trailblazers take a step back? I guess we shall see. But it's always a, a, a team that... That surprises everyone. This year was the Brooklyn Nets on the East, the Clippers on the West. Like these, it's always a team every year that that kind of just comes out of nowhere and maybe takes a step one year too early or a year earlier than what most people expected. So my my list is, is definitely my, my playoff bracket is definitely gonna take that into consideration. And if I'm going to to be real, and I'm going off history, I can't just ignore stuff like that. So I got two teams definitely that that that's going to represent 
you know, <laughs> in the East and the West, I got I got one squad that might that might cause some attention on both on both uh on both coasts. So first first what I'll do is I'll start with the Eastern Conference. I think the Eastern Conference is definitely the easier way to go. Just because it's some fucking dogs on the West. The West is always crazy, but this year in particular is gonna be nuts. So let's start with the East. The the number one team I think in the East my favorite to to make it out this year is the 76ers. So 76ers, you got Ben Simmons at the point, six foot ten, Joel Embiid inside. They did get Jimmy Butler out of there, but they got they got um Josh Richardson from the Miami Heat. So really nice up and coming young player. You get a bucket. Also is a really solid defender. They was able to get Tobias Harris back, so they got some shooting shooting on the um, you know in that front court at that stretch four spot. So the the seventy sixers is definitely gonna be a problem, and I think the biggest move of the offseason was when they acquired Al Horford. Al Horford is somebody in the East that's usually given Joe Embiid the most problems. So the fact that he's now on his team and then he has that versatility to where now Tobias Harris would be able to slide down to the three, you know, which is probably his natural position because Al Horford can play the four. Al Horford can stretch the floor. Al Horford can pass the ball. He's a great defender. Like He's the perfect guy to put on this team because he's going to bring that leadership and that hustle that's that's going to be perfect for for a team that that's just trying to get over the hump. So they almost made it last year. Kawhi Leonard's fucking amazing game, seven fall away shot in the Eastern Conference Finals sent them home. So they were just they were that close, and they 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 re up with an even talented roster. I just seen they signed uh, Trey Burke too to come off the bench, and he's a nice nice little. Nice little guard in the backcourt that can get you a bucket. So I think the 76ers are definitely going to be the team to beat in the East this year. Second team I got, I got the Boston Celtics. Jason Tatum is about to take them to a new level this year. He's already been talking a big game. Um, He's already said next year he's going to be an all-star. He's going to average over 20 points. And I think he said they're going to the NBA Finals. So he, he got big expectations for this year. Kyrie Irving is gone. So he should be able to have the ball in his hands and flourish as the primary scoring option or maybe the secondary to Kimba Walker, who they acquired from Charlotte, who is one of the most dynamic scorers at the point guard position. So you got them two working. Still got Marcus Smart to lock up on the perimeter. Jalen Brown. They acquired Enos Cancer uh, via free agency. And Enos Cancer is scoring big. Not going to do shit for you on the defensive end, but he can he can score. So they, they got some talent on, on the Celtics. I like their draft picks. Carson Edwards was lighting shit up in the summer league, so he can come off the bench and he's basically like a baby Kimball Walker because he's just dynamite, you know, in a in a in a <laughs> in a bottle. Like he, you just you you put him in a game and he's gonna he's gonna finish with twenty. He's gonna find a way. So I like that. Romeo Langford is another one of the guys that they drafted uh, last pick of the lottery, or I think either thirteen or fourteen, and he is supposed to be. He was one of the best players coming out of high school uh, last year. So with with him, you just you know what he can bring to the table, but you just want him to get healthy. So if he can contribute and Carson can contribute from day one, this this Boston team is going to be even scarier than than what most people may think. Third team I got is the Milwaukee Bucks. Milwaukee, they lost Malcolm Brogdon. I think that's going to hurt more than it's given light of. I do think that. He was their best shooter, one of their best decision makers on the perimeter. So that's going to hurt them. 
They were able to get Kyle Korver, one of the best shooters in league history. You still got the MVP, reigning MVP, and Giannis Antetokounmpo. The Greek freak is, is one of the... He's so fucking great because the best player on your team being the hardest worker is always going to be a recipe for success. So the Bucks are one of those teams that they play hard every night because he plays hard every night. And even though it's not the playoffs, he brings that playoff level intensity to the regular season. And that's why they usually win a lot of games in the regular season. So they could very well be the number one seed just based off their their record. But I'm going to still rock with the order I got right now. So fourth team I got is the Brooklyn Nets. They acquired Kyrie Irving. You can't sleep on that. I know he had a horrible exit out of Boston. And the way that played out, definitely they they underachieved as a unit. But Kyrie Irving is arguably top three in the league. In my opinion, he's number two or three. So Kyrie Irving is is one of the best point guards in the league. And he's joining a unit with some of the best young talent you know, the league has to offer. You got Jared Allen inside, athletic big, who can defend with the best of them. He had a lot of highlight reel blocks last year. He's not afraid to get his hands dirty. He's going to jump up if somebody tests him, and a lot of times he comes out on top. Ask LeBron. So you got him, Spencer Dinwiddie in the backcourt, one of the, the nicest, nicest dudes with the Rock in the league. He can score on damn near anybody. He he just he, – he plays – he lets the game come to him, and a lot of times when he gets in a game, he could he could turn the thing around. So that that's one of the reasons why they were so good. I know D'Angelo Russell got a lot of the, the praise last year, but Spencer Dinwiddie is right there. So you had him. You got Karis LeVert. Joe Harris, one of the best shooters in the league, who is right now with Team USA. So he's there just to shoot. That That's how good of a shooter he is. So you got them. You got them there, and... They just play hard. Like Brooklyn has established a culture that their young players are growing up in that culture and it's going to be ingrained in them. So playing with that level of intensity, if Kyrie Irving could, could match that, even though Kevin Durant isn't there, they still have an opportunity to finish, you know, fourth in the East this year. Um, at number five, I got the Toronto Raptors. Of course, defending champs, I know I'm not trying to disrespect them, but <laughs> their best player is gone. And I do think they're going to be really talented because I, I think Pascal is a he's an all star caliber player. And if they're winning this year, he can very well be an all star in this upcoming season. So Pascal is the truth. He's very versatile. He can defend. He's athletic. He has a nice he can put the ball on the floor. He can he can shoot. He has a total package. So I think for Pascal's growth as a player, of, uh, of course, with Kyle Lowry returning, Fred Van Vliet. Serge Ibaka, Mark Gasol, like they still have the veterans there to make another another run. So they're going to be back in the playoffs, especially in the East. So nothing to worry about there. Um, moving on to number six, I got the Indiana Pacers. They've had a real quiet offseason that hasn't got a lot of credit. And I like a lot of the guys they signed. Uh, Jeremy Lamb, I'm a big Jeremy Lamb fan. He's a, a bucket. They, they got TJ Warren from the Suns, a bucket. They got Malcolm Brogdon from Milwaukee, another bucket. Like they, they got they got a squad. And they got guys that are versatile that can do more than one thing. Like Malcolm Brogdon is super versatile, one of the the most underrated players in the league, being completely honest. He's a knockdown shooter. He can lock up. He's a he's a like I said, a good decision maker. He's not gonna turn the ball over much. Like 
he is the ideal guy to put alongside of Victor Oladipo because Victor Oladipo is a guy that can defend. He can score. He's six. They're both like six foot five. So that's that's a real good backcourt. And then you got Aaron Holiday, who is, you know, a guy that's going to come off the bench and provide scoring. You got his brother, Justin Holiday, who's going to a real good three and D guy. They still got Sabonis, who had a breakout season last year, was was up for um, most improved. And then they got Miles Turner, who led the league in blocks last year. So they they got a real good squad, man. People are sleeping on them, but they're 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 gonna have they're gonna be in the discussion. Even if they make it to the playoffs, they can they can push a team to six or seven games just because they got so many guys that can put the ball in the basket. That's always been a thing that Indiana has suffered with since Paul George left. Like they needed guys who can score, guys who can create for themselves. And recently Victor Oladipo has been like the only guy in Sabonis, but they needed another guy on that perimeter that can score. Now they got a few guys. So Pacers are going to be all right. Team I got in the seventh spot is the Miami Heat. The reason why I got Miami Heat there is Jimmy Butler alone. <laughs> it's literally just Jimmy Butler. And the reason why is because I don't see Jimmy Butler not making the playoffs in the Eastern Conference. The the East, you don't, you don't need to have the best record. <clears throat> And with that being said, I think his grit alone is going to push this young team over the hump. Bam Adebayo may not have, he may have gotten cut from Team USA, but playing with those guys in the summer is valuable. And he was able to get some good reps that's going to help him going into the next season. So Bam Adebayo, Tyler Harrell was was dynamite in the summer league. He he might get some early PT. Goran Dragic is still there. Hassan Whiteside is gone, but collectively this team they're always the Miami Heat is always an effort team, and even when D Wade was declining, he still played with a lot of effort. And like I said, if your best player plays a certain way, it usually is the identity of your team, and that is the case with this squad. So Jimmy Butler's the best player if he could bring it every night and not you know point the finger like he's done in the past and could could do a good job at being like an elder statesman and a leader for these young guys. I really think Miami could could make a playoff push and maybe not make a lot of noise in the postseason, but at least make it there because that roster is not the most talented. So last team I got on the Eastern Conference is this is my surprise squad. So I think they're a really talented bunch, but so, so, so young. So team I got on here is the Atlanta Hawks. Trey Young is special at the point guard position. He is an offensive wizard. It's not too much he can't do on the offensive end. Um, with the ball in his hand. So you got him at the point. You got John Collins down low, double-double machine. They acquired Jabari Parker, who is lightning lightning scorer off the bench or starting wherever you put him. He's going to give you 18 and 8 or 18 and 6, you know, something along those lines on a very efficient clip because it's all coming at the basket. And then you got Cam Reddish at number 10 in the draft. Big sleeper, guy that a lot of people think is going to make some noise in his rookie season, just because in Duke, he wasn't able to show his full skill set playing alongside Zion Williamson and R.J. Barrett, who dominated the ball. So now you got Cam Reddish. He's going to be able to show what he can do on an NBA floor that's more space. He's going to be he's going to be able to be free, you know what I mean, and boogie with that rock at six foot seven. So I think he's going to he, he's going to play a major role for this team as an off the off the bench scorer. They got Alan Crabb, another shooter from Brooklyn. 
They got Kevin Herter, who had a really good rookie season alongside Trey Young, about six foot seven, so really good size in that backcourt, and he can shoot the rock. And uh, the their number four pick, DeAndre Hunter from Virginia, reminds me a lot of Kawhi Leonard, just because he's he's a elite three and D player, but he can do more when given opportunity. So I think that they're gonna be a team that can make a lot of noise this year, just because of their talent level alone. They're, they're, they will base they will essentially be what the Kings were last year as a team that was up and coming and had a lot of talent and won more games than people expected. But the reason why I think the Hawks will make the playoffs, unlike the Kings did pre last year, is because the Hawks play in the Eastern Conference. So that's my that's my bracket on the East 76ers, Celtics, Bucks, Nets, Raptors, Pacers, Heat, Hawks. So moving on to the, the Western Conference, the number one team I got out West. West Coast, the number one team I got is the Los Angeles Clippers. reason why I got the Clippers there is because this is a team that already proved they can win games without star power. They had depth. You know, they got young players that, that play like veterans. They got good coaching. The, the Clippers are a team that were already probably going to be competitive in the Western Conference without Kawhi Leonard and Paul George just because they play so hard. And even though they don't have the talent that most people think they should have to be competitive, somehow they were able to push the Warriors to, you know, six games, even though the Warriors were able to sweep a more talented team per se, like the Portland Trailblazers in the Western Conference Finals last year. So now you add two of the best wings in the league and Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. I don't think I really need to say no more about that. So I got the Clippers at number one. Number two team I got on this list is the Rockets. Reason why I got the Rockets is because they're going to be relentless this year. You got two guys leading the charge that have a chip on their shoulder that have always felt like they have not been able to seize the moment on the biggest stage. So now you got James Harden and Russell Westbrook on the same squad, you know, in their prime, have already had the personal accolades. So now it's time to win a championship together. And what better time to do it than now? Because it's wide open for everybody. So I think they're going to be a really high seed. And their home court advantage is going to help them in the playoffs. And just the, the brand of basketball they're going to play. Like that up and down D'Antoni system to where they're just shooting a rock, you know, as as much as they can. That That is going to get them a lot of wins in a regular season. Because most teams aren't going to have the conditioning to keep up with that. And, and nor will they want to. So the Rockets, I think, will have a high record because of that. My number three team... Is my squad, actually, Denver Nuggets. reason why I got the Denver Nuggets at three is because we got a lot of depth. That, that's the reason why I think we finished with the second best record last year. We just got depth. And teams with a lot of depth, like Denver usually has in their history, teams with a lot of depth usually have good regular season records. And the reason for that is because they have multiple bodies. So when somebody goes down, they have somebody else that is capable of doing, you know, producing nearly at the same clip or you know, maybe even a better level in some instances. So the Nuggets, because of their depth, they're going to be in a conversation. I really hope Michael Porter Jr. could come back and, and be the player that we think he can be. So if he if he can do that and we could have him plug in at that small forward position or maybe even a power forward position once, once uh, if we make a move to maybe get Paul Millsap out of there, I want to keep him, though, for the veteran leadership. If if Michael Porter Jr. could play that three and knock down that, that three-point shot in an effective clip, we're going to be scary, man. So fourth, fourth team I got on here, Los Angeles Lakers. You know, <laughs> the, the purple and gold 
is definitely going to make some noise in the postseason. But like I said, the title of this episode, it's a low management error. So I don't think that LeBron and Anthony Davis are going to play the amount of games necessary to have a, a really good record in the Western Conference during the regular season. They're going to make it. They'll probably hover around two or three for most of the season, but they're going to finish the year at number four because they too have depth. They have veteran leadership and they also have star power. But the only thing working against the Lakers is that they're older. You know, a lot of their their best players are getting up in age. And if they're not, you know, it's guys like Anthony Davis, who has is, is been fragile for most of his career. And then Kyle Kuzma has been healthy. So he's a guy that that is more than likely going to benefit from being the go-to guy when LeBron James and Anthony Davis decides to sit out. So that would definitely help them in the postseason. But in the regular season, I think it's going to lead to a lot of losses that probably shouldn't even take place because if they were to just suit up and play like how you know the game is meant to be played, they, they will probably have arguably the best record in the league. So I think the Lakers will finish at four. Right after them, we got another team that has been making a lot of noise in this post post not postseason but in the offseason. Uh that's the Utah Jazz. Utah Jazz, we got Donovan Mitchell. Now they got Bo Bojan Bojanovic from Indiana Pacers. Bojanovic is a knockdown shooter. He can go get a bucket. He can create his own shot. So now Donovan Mitchell has somebody else that can do that on the perimeter come playoff time when his shot isn't falling. But not only does he have that guy but he got Mike Conley. That's a playoff performer, you know, all-star caliber point guard that is going to, he's a great leader too. So this is the perfect guy to have in the locker room. You got Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley as the leaders of your team. And this team was already mature. So hats off to Utah for pulling that off because they're, they're going to be a scary team too. They could very well have a really good record because they play defense. And a lot of teams don't play defense in the league. And just like how the Rockets can outrun you and overwhelm you with offense, the Jazz could wear you down and overwhelm you with defense. So they could very well be a top three team too. But right now I got them at the five spot just because I feel like they're going to take some time to mesh next year is when I think they'll take that next step and be one of the upper echelon of teams. They'll probably sign another guy that could come in and maybe provide a scoring punch like a, you know, at the four position or something. So moving on to number six. I got I got Golden State, man. I got Golden State at the sixth spot. Reason why I got Golden State at six is because it's one of the same reasons I got the Jazz at five. I think it's going to take some time for them to mesh. You got D'Angelo Russell, who is, I think he can play off the ball, but mostly has played on the ball for most of his career as a basketball player. So now he has to move off the ball because Draymond Green initiates the offense. But yet, now he's going to be able to shoot those threes that he loves to shoot. So he's going to be dangerous. They got Willie Cauley-Stein down low, get some athleticism. He'll run the floor, get some effort buckets for the Warriors. So they're, they're going to be back. They're not going anywhere. And they still, they, they still got Steph. Klay Thompson is not going to come back to later in the season. So that's another reason why I have them so low. Because if he's not there as their best defender and second best player, you know, it... It takes away from games where maybe the shots are not falling for Steph or D'Angelo. Who else is going to get it going? So with him being hobbled or, you know, sitting out for an extended period of time, I do think he'll help them come playoff time, but I don't think it'll do any favors for them during the regular season. 
Seven team I got on the Western Conference playoffs is the Portland Trailblazers. Portland, they got that dynamic backcourt, and usually they finish with a very high record because they're another team that's efficient. Their guards just wear you down. They have bigs like Yusuf Nurkic that is is down low, ready to bang, and pretty much just wreak havoc inside, whether it be offensively or defense. So the Portland Trailblazers have had a, a, a recipe for success that has worked, and I think it should do the same thing this year. They're, they'll make the playoffs, but once again, they're another one of teams that that can, given a matchup, they can go pretty pretty far in the playoffs. We, they made it to the finals, the Western Conference Finals last year, and I think that was mostly due to matchups. They they called us in the second round, and we were just we weren't ready for that veteran backcourt. So they got us, and they'll be back in the playoffs. But once again, I, I don't see them winning anything. But as long as they keep C.J. McCollum and Damian Lillard together, I don't see them not making the postseason. They were able to add Hassan Whiteside, so they get a defensive presence off the bench. Still got Zach Collins um, developing. I like him a lot. You got uh, Yusuf Nurkic. You still got Anthony Simons. Anthony Simons has to play this year. That dude is nice. I've been a big fan of him since he came into the league. So Simons got to get some run this year if they really want to maximize their bench. You throw him in there with Rodney Hood, that's buckets off the bench. And Gary Trent, don't forget about him too, Gary Trent Jr. Um, And then the last team I got on the Western Conference – I got the New Orleans Pelicans. <laughs> yep. I know. Lakers, basically the Lakers, Lakers 2.0. Yeah, I, I got them because I, I like the Lakers young players that they acquire, man. Like, I, I never was a big Kuzma fan when, you know, the Lakers drafted all those young guys because I didn't feel like he did much other than scoring. So with Brandon Ingram, he's versatile. He can still score. You got Lonzo Ball, who's versatile. He defends. You got Zion Williamson, the number one overall pick. And he's a guy that's going to be the face of this organization. But Zion Williamson is going to work hard. He's like a Giannis. You know, he's going to try hard. He's going to give his all. So if he plays like that and he's the face of the organization, the others are going to follow suit. So they got Jackson Hayes in the draft, a center who's super athletic. If you haven't already checked it out, um, like I said, last episode, I mentioned him too. He had one of the nastiest dunks. I've ever seen. Check it out. It was, it was against the Bulls in the summer league, but uh, it got him down low. Like I said, Zion Williamson, you got Drew Holiday, all-star point guard. He'll lock up. You can put him at the one or the two. They got Nikhil Alexander-Walker, guy who really stood out in the summer league. They got J.J. Redick, Derek Favors. Like They're loaded, and they got some players, and they have a good combination of young players and veterans. So this team is going to be my sleeper in the West. I like Dallas. I like the Kings, but I don't feel like they got enough veteran leadership to get them over the hump. So that's my bracket on both sides. Later, I say as the season progresses, this <laughs> we'll look at it and see, but we're going to keep this in this order and we're going to look at it throughout the season and see how things start to change or if things start to look good on my end or bad, because I'm either going to be looking like a fucking genius or a straight dumbass. So we're going to see how this plans out, but we'll definitely reference back to this episode. Not going to alter my standings. I'm going to keep it how it is. I took my time. I made this list. And 
it shall be fun, man. We're gonna see. We're gonna see what happens. So before we get up out of here, just like every other episode, we're gonna get out of here with with some new music. Um, this track that I'm gonna play is from an artist by the name of Garen. I know I, I like to usually mention up and coming artists, but Garen is kind of established. Um, he's been doing his thing in L.A. for a while. Got a lot of projects out. He's been he's been doing this thing, and I'm pretty sure you've heard his voice before. If you listen to Nipsey Hussle's Victory Lap album, you heard his vocals on the at the beginning of the the dedication track with Kendrick Lamar. So he's been doing this thing. Uh, I actually know him personally. I went to high school with bro. He was my quarterback. He he took my fucking spot. <laughs> I was a year older than him. He came in. He started tearing shit up, man. They was like, Caitlin, you got to go play wide out. So <laughs> he he was nice in high school, man. He, he put up some big numbers. That's my bro. So um, this track that I'm going to play is from him. Uh, his name is Garen. Once again, this track is called Wrong Way. And he actually got a new project out. Um, if you like this one, this song that I'm going to play, he definitely got some new music out. New new project called The Lost Files. You can hear it on Apple Music, any music, any streaming platform. You should be able to, to check that out. But it's called The Lost Files. This is Garen. And before we get out of here, once again, just like every other episode, thank you for tuning in. Y'all stay out of trouble and uh, just be good. Yeah.